Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past week. I'm Nick Pinunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going all right, Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. It's 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 been a while, hasn't it? Oh, like, like days. <laughs> What, we we recorded a, a special uh, commentary episode for Jurassic Park three, the uh, the other night, and uh, we're gonna release that when we miss a week. <laughs> that's what's going on. There. Yeah, that's uh, you'll f- you'll find out when Nick and Matt were busy when when uh, the commentary track for Jurassic Park three comes out. That's a that's a good plan. Don't don't release it anywhere around while there's a Jurassic Park <laughs> <in> the theater. <laughs> it's called strategy. Um, well, speaking of having seen movies, that's what this show is about. Uh, oh. What did you see this week? I saw The Incredibles two. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I watched a movie called Cargo, which. I want you to watch, and I watched right. and I watched the uh, the death of Superman, the new DC animated movie. Oh, see, I totally thought you had seen uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, you know what? I did see that. Oh, I, for- <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I saw that. Uh, yeah, well, that's why I didn't see it because that's about the experience I'd expect to have. Oh, uh, you know what? I think I'll talk about that instead of uh, instead of Cargo. Because I, uh, okay, give me a chance to see. Yeah, I want you to see Cargo, but I don't want you to know anything about it going into it. Fair enough. Same. Is pre- it on Netflix? It is. It's a Netflix original. Oh right. And it stars uh, Martin Freeman, who I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, he's he's good. Um, I, I don't like everything he's in, but I like him. Uh, so who should go first this week? Because I haven't seen Incredibles two. Um. But you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, I'll tell you what. I have no problem with you spoiling Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, All right. Uh, then we'll, we'll save that for the end. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, I wonder if... I wonder if we had similar sets of previews. Because the Ant-Man and the Wasp is geared more towards a younger audience. Um, but even just going into the Incredibles two and watching the previews, there are a couple things that just I just couldn't, you know. Like I, I know it's pretty easy to complain about reboots and remakes and things like that, mm-hmm. but man, they're excessive. You know, like uh, um, oh man, there's something that's coming out. There's another Jungle Book movie coming out. Another Jungle Book came. movie. Yeah, there's another live action Jungle Book movie. And it's not a it's not a sequel, I don't think. It's a whole different um like telling of the same story yet again. Oh boy. Even though it just came out what like 3 years ago? I don't even think that far. The John Favreau one. Yeah. Yeah, so they wanted to do that again apparently. I can't. Um Oh god, I hope not. Although Disney's coming out with a Nutcracker movie, and I'm like, that oh, yeah, hasn't the, been done before. I saw the trailer for that. That looks, that looks terrifying. It looks like it's got nothing to offer. I, and and I saw a preview for the Grinch. Um, I know. Granted, the last Grinch remake wasn't super recent, but it still kind of just strikes me as like, how is this necessary? Right. There's, there's nothing wrong with the original Grinch. And at least from the preview, uh, even if there's nothing wrong with the original and you want to remake it, but you've got something really fresh to throw in there. Uh-huh. Cool. But it really just looks like any other crappy kids movie. Yeah, the Grinch looks like the Horton Hears a Who movie. Well, and and as far as like the jokes and things that are in the preview, it just looks like it's anything else. But instead of having a story about, I don't know. John, the guy, they went, hey, you know, if we put green fur on him, that's the Grinch. So let's do that. Tell me more about John, the guy. (laughs) He's like every other character (laughs) who's kind of grumpy and voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, because that's what gets kids to the theater. 
Hello. That was my Benedict well, Cumberbatch. <laughs> well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, as I was watching the preview, I was thinking something along the lines of like, I can't even tell that's Benedict Cumberbatch. Smaug. So like, yeah, now with something like that, I could kind of go, all right, cool. You know, that's that's him doing something, I don't know, Cumberbatchy. Yeah. <laughs> but this just sounds like any other dude. So on one level, I'm like, why bother with the Benedict Cumberbatch? Kids don't know who that is. And then on the other hand, I'm like, this, if you're going to have him, have him sound like, him or like something cool right so anyway and then speaking of things that why are they being made uh i saw a preview for bumblebee oh the new transformers movie yeah it's not directed by michael bay right so it's got a chance i don't know man watching the preview i got i didn't even realize there was a trailer out for it yeah it's uh and a girl Gets a car. Uh-huh. She's trying to work on it. Turns out to be alive. Is she a hot girl? Uh, she's a young girl. Oh. Um, I think it's. So the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it may be the young lady who was in um, True Grit. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. So, uh, perhaps I'm wrong on that, but it looked like her to me. So. Okay. Anyway, and I saw a preview for Wreck Your Ralph 2, which I had seen before. I, I had seen a preview of before and went, oh, that doesn't look like it has anything to offer either. Like, there's nothing actually in the preview that makes you want to see it. But then uh, this was a different preview, and there was a little bit more, like, plot and stuff to it. You got to see a little bit more of the, the humor. And I thought at first, because it's Ralph going into the internet, that it was just going to be nothing but, like, pop culture jokes. Right. And, like... Ready Player One boringness. Um, Did you see that movie? But, no, but it looked boring. <laughs> so, so this is a. I, I had that vibe from the ad or the preview at first, but then about halfway through, I was like, okay, some of this stuff's actually pretty funny. Maybe this will be good. Um, so, so that one I've got a little hope for. Uh-huh. Have you seen a preview for the new Spider-Man movie? The Into the, the Spider Verse. Yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. I couldn't quite like figure out what to make of it. Like it's kind of stop motion looking, um, and it looks very and slick. Something it's very stylized. Yeah, I like the way that it looks, which is which is shocking to say for a Sony Spider-Man movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, by the end of that preview, I just kind of was like, I have no idea what that is, but I'm curious. Yes. So, so that one at least got me curious. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Now, you might have noticed that I'm not talking about Incredibles too yet. <laughs> I did notice, and, and it's it's kind of I've got surprisingly little to say about it. Really? Um, yeah. It now it's been a while since I've seen the first one, but I liked the first one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a movie that I've haven't really wanted to watch again. Like, kind of like um, like Kingsman. So everybody listening, if you haven't seen Incredibles, it's just like Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it's sort of the same thing where I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I have seen it more than once. But I just, it's been a long time since I've gone back to the well. Uh. So I, I, I can't even really compare the two a lot. Um, but I would say this doesn't bring anything fresh to the table. No? Like no, no. And and, and that was really disappointing to me because I, I or at least it's kind of disappointing to me. I don't know, really disappointing me to be dramatic. Um but <laughs> it I, I do remember the first one feeling like I had seen something really new. And I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, it's the best Fantastic Four movie that was ever made, which is, I think, pretty true. Yeah. You know? um, and, uh, and and so, you know, I, I hoped for something pretty, you know, something that would kind of surprise me, give me something new. There's none of that, so don't expect new. Um, aside from that, it, it wasn't bad. Um, 
as far as like visuals go, it was a weird kind of mixed bag because I felt like the people all looked a little strange. Like there was more detail to them, but you know how sometimes detail can be kind of painted on. It doesn't really do anything sure. for whatever it is. That's how I felt here. I felt like they went through, <clears throat> uh, they went to unnecessary measures to uh, give people lines under their eyes. Because even the kids have lines under their eyes. And on one hand, that makes it look like, hmm, a little more real, I guess. But it also kind of ends up emphasizing all the stuff that's not real about their faces. Like, Mr. Incredible's got a weird-shaped head. Yeah. Um, And I don't know. There's something about their eyes that seems a little bit off. You know, like, for a human being... Um, your, your iris should never be not touching anything, like in terms of either eyelid, uh, unless you're making an extremely surprised face. And so that I felt like throughout the movie, I'm noticing a lot that like people's eyes are just really small and, and you, there's like white all the way around the eyes a lot of the time. So it makes them look kind of beady. And as is an unnecessary amount of detail, but <laughs> the fact is that, like, I was sitting there thinking they looked weird, and the movie wasn't pulling me in that much, so this is what I got to think about half the time. Um, everything else, however, everything that's not people looks really, really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, some of the textures are incredible. No pun intended. Um uh. And uh, <laughs> and there are a few things. There's one one moment in particular where uh, Miss what's her name? It's not Mrs. Incredible. Elastigirl. Yeah, is fighting with someone in a kind of a strange situation um, or like setting, and it's really really cool. Um, by the way, don't take your kid to see The Incredibles two if they have epilepsy. Uh, there's there's a warning on the movie that's like it'll cause seizures. Wow, um, which I could totally see happening um, with some of the effects that, that are in there. Um, so anyway, so some of it looks kind of weird and not that great. The rest of it looks really really cool. And as far as the the story of the movie, like the the side plots are like like the B plot and the C plot are actually kind of compelling and interesting and that's where the fun jokes are. Yeah. So some of that involves like like probably the best character in the movie is the baby. Which is not a great thing for the movie, but it it's not to say that it's it's not pretty fun and interesting in its own merit. Like the the stuff with the baby is actually pretty funny and interesting. Um and so, so you've got these side plots that are kind of interesting, but the main course of the movie isn't very interesting. Um, it's it's not engrossing. And uh, let's see. So I, I felt like there was something else where it's it's just kind of given to oh the the jokes themselves. Um, the moments in this movie that are fun are actually really fun, and and that is a couple of the jokes. And the action. When there's actually some fighting going on, this movie does what, you know, what I guess like Fantastic Four and some other movies that are kind of ensemble pieces really don't do well, which is utilize all the potential uh-huh. of, you know, people's powers and stuff. You know, a lot of times it's like the training montage is the part where you actually get to see them use the powers and then it gets dropped and they're not, they're like underutilized throughout the rest of the movie. This movie, they're using their powers whenever there's something going on. And there's uh, a little bit more variety of people around. Um, so you get to see some pretty fun power stuff. Uh, so so that's really great. On the other hand, when there's not anything like that going on, it's really boring. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. I'd give it like a, a B, maybe yeah. a B minus. Okay. Um, I certainly would say, you know, if you've if you've got kids to watch it with, um, I think they're going to have a good time. So I'd I would recommend it as something that you'll probably enjoy if you've enjoyed the first one. Um, 
but it's not necessarily worth going to the theater. Like, I went to see another movie a couple weeks back, and I saw a whole family come in actually dressed as The Incredibles. Oh. They probably had a good time, or they were really disappointed. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. If, if if you're not looking to spend a whole lot of money, I'd say just save it till it comes out on on DVD or streaming. I, the, there are some scenes that are pretty cool because of the way it looks, but if you've got a TV that's more than 55 inches, you're probably good. Okay. So... That's uh, that's all I got to say there. There's there's not much else to to do with it. I mean, even if we were having a spoilers discussion, would um, there be that much to spoil? What is the plot of the movie? Like, what's what's it even about? Um, well, it picks up right where the first one left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so people, if you don't know what the Incredibles are, they are a family uh, who has superpowers. They pretty much are the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and um, there, it's kind. Of, it takes place in the time where uh, superheroes have been kind of back and forth in terms of favor with the country, like the or the world. They they were helpful at some point, then they got kind of illegalized or banned. Um, so I guess it's also Watchmen. <laughs> so you have Fantastic Four and Watchmen. Um, and in the last movie. They kind of came out of hiding and stopped bad stuff from happening. Right. And this movie takes place right after that. Like at the end of the first movie, there's some sort of like mole people that come crashing up out of the ground. Uh huh. Um, that's where this starts. So that's oh, really? like the first scene of the movie. Yeah. And um, the plot is that. Uh, they still, after 30 seconds of being out in the open, uh, are not legal. And there's sort of a marketing guy of sorts who wants to make them, wants to advocate for them and, and get superheroes legalized. And so he is approaching um, the, the husband and wife, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, I guess, and Sub-Zero. Or Frozone, Frozone, played by Samuel Jackson. Um, And actually, I don't even know why Sam Jackson's part of that conversation because at 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 the end of the conversation, they all they really want is to promote Mrs. Uh, Incredible or Elastigirl as a sort of spokesperson for um, for superheroes by having her side of things shown through like a, a like a like how cops wear cameras now yeah um she's got a sort of a a wearable camera and that's it and and so i mean there is a quote-unquote villain that pops up but the story is we're gonna follow her around and try to win over the people and it's about as exciting as it sounds really yeah that's the first negative review i've heard of about the movie I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I, I don't mean it to be to even sound like a negative review. It just it wasn't as good as the first one, and it didn't. Pardon me. Kind of like Deadpool two. It just didn't offer what I had hoped from the first one. The first movie being a new experience and going, "Cool, this is fresh. I want to see." something else fresh from the same people in the same world. Instead, it's like, oh, this isn't fresh anymore. This is just the second time around. Yeah. Okay. So, so like I said, you know, I'd give it like a B or a B minus. Uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a failure as a movie. There is something weird. Like, I don't know if this will happen when it comes out on video, but um, it, there's a sort of short thing at the beginning where – the cast of the movie apologizes or something like that for it being 14 years between movies. They're like, Oh, we know it's old. We know it's been 14 years, but it's totally going to be worth it. And, and that's like probably the last thing they should have put in front of it, at least for me. <laughs> Cause I was like, cool, this is going to be worth 14 years of waiting for another. And instead I was like, Oh no, this could have come out like the next year and been fine. 
Sam. There, there is a very weird. You know how Pixar has shorts before the movie? Yeah. There's a very weird one on this this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. What happens? What is it? Um. Well, once it kind of wraps up, you go, "Oh, okay, I get what's going on there." But for most of it, it's it's a it's a little short about a woman who uh, an an Asian woman um, who makes some sort of Asian food dumpling that comes to life. Oh. And she raises it as a child. (laughs) Oh. That's weird. Uh, uh, When you get to the end, you go, oh, this is about something much deeper than that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It ends, it ends on a pretty sweet note. Okay. But anyhow, uh, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, if you have any other questions, I'm sure I can answer them. But as far as like it inspiring discussion, that's about all there is. Uh, okay. So um, I guess that's it for Incredibles 2. Until, oh, yeah. until, um, until I guess I see it and then we spoil the hell out of it, I guess. You get to talk about it again. Yeah, I, I, well, I'll be curious to see what you can add to it. I, I suspect you'll enjoy it a little bit more than me, especially if you watch it with your kids. Mm-hmm. So. My son doesn't really care for the first Incredibles, although we haven't watched it in a, in a couple of years. But like, I thought he'd be totally into it. He didn't really seem to care at all. Well, you know, it, it's they're both long movies. I think the first one might have been a little longer than this one. But... um if I recall right, the first one's kind of it's it's not extremely dynamic either, right? I mean, in terms of like excitement and quiet moments, like there's a fair amount of quiet in it. There's a lot of quiet, yeah. Like the it's a lot of little moments, um, mm-hmm. like the one kid who can who runs real fast, um, like a lot of like little moments with him and his sister and stuff, and then uh, in, interspersed are some action sequences here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if if that's if that's maybe part of it for a younger kid, then I don't know. He's a little older now. Maybe maybe yeah. he'll enjoy it. Maybe we'll watch that later today. Actually, we got nothing going on. Cool. Um. Well, that brings us to another superhero movie. Um. There's a new DC Universe animated movie called The Death of Superman that just came out. Uh. And I watched that. Um. It was, uh, I know we spoke about it recently, but like back about 10 years ago, DC released a movie called Superman Doomsday, um, which was a terrible movie about the death of Superman, mm-hmm. but, yeah, that but, wasn't great. but not as terrible as the Justice League movie or Batman <laughs> versus Superman. Yeah, nowhere near that bad. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, but, but this is like a reimagining um, of it. If you're unfamiliar with the DC Universe animated movies, uh, they're they're basically the Justice League, um, and they go on adventures. Uh, as there's Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Aquaman, Cyborg, uh, Batman, um, and they, uh, you know, they they do their thing. Um, this this movie takes place after um after another justice league movie i want to say after justice league doom but i'm not sure um but it doesn't matter um but what it does establish is that doomsday comes from outer space and he crashes into the planet and then he uh well let's let's go back a little bit so doomsday is this uh, unstoppable killing machine of a of a monster um and uh, in the comic book, he's he comes from underground. He was buried underground by somebody. I don't know. And uh, in this movie, he comes from outer space, um, which I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, he proceeds to tear through the entire Justice League and then gets to Superman, where him and Superman beat the crap out of each other for about an hour. Actually, it's not even that long. They, they beat the crap out of each other for about 20 minutes. And at the end, Superman dies. Spoiler alert, because the movie's called The Death of <laughs> Superman. Um, uh, 
but um so that's that's the basic plot of the movie um it's based on one of my favorite comic book series um it's the very first comic book i ever got which was a trade paperback of the death of superman um really that's the first one you got yep i got it for christmas the the year the trade paperback came out um that's that surprises me maybe maybe that happened earlier than i thought do you know what year that was uh i don't but i have my friend the internet right here and i can look it up that's quite the friend hold on i have to get to my keyboard which is behind all these wires death one h of superman i want to say 93 comic i want to say 93 because that's when i uh, started collecting comic books was after that let's see see i would have i would have thought Death of Superman. Having, having met you only a couple years after that, I would have thought that you'd been in the comics for a long time before that. No, I fell in, I fell in love real quick, and then and then it, it was a long. It's been a long relationship. It, Death of Superman began in December of '92 and lasted until October of '93. Interesting. So I called it. Yay. <laughs> um. So. Anyway, the 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 story uh, in the comic book Death of Superman is um. Basically the same as in the movie, except with like different Justice League characters. Um, and Doomsday tears his way through all of them, and then Superman uh, f- fights him to the death. But the the thing that this movie this movie gets, I think, wrong is the amount of effort that Superman exerts trying to fight Doomsday. the 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 battle between the two of them doesn't take very long, and 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 Superman gets bloodied and and battered very early um one of the things about the the original story is that um uh superman is fighting doomsday and he's holding back because that's what he does when superman fights a bad guy he doesn't unleash everything he's got because he'll destroy them and unlike in the superman versus batman movie he doesn't kill people (laughs) willy-nilly and uh and so Superman is slowly drained down uh, by Doomsday, and Doomsday is slowly getting stronger and more bony. He's got these bony protrusions all over him, and he's covered in this suit that slowly gets melted away. Um, and in this in this movie, they try to uh, they try to try to do that, but but it, it doesn't really work that well. I think because they they try to they try to cram in this love story between Lois and Clark. Um, yeah, I mean. Lo- <clears throat> Is that really necessary when everybody already knows they're together? Well, if if you're if you haven't been following along with the other DC animated movies, um, mm-hmm. uh, Superman and Wonder Woman were kind of a thing for like a movie or two. Really? Yeah, and then they they kind of I guess they break up. I don't remember when that happens or if it's just implied. But Lois and Clark are dating, and as Superman tells Lois that he is, as Clark tells Lois that he's Superman. Um, is when Doomsday attacks, and so that's that's another different thing from the comic book. In the comic book story, Lois already knows that Clark is Superman. Yeah, and when he goes to fight this monster, she she goes to cover the story, um, and she slowly watches her her. I can't remember if they're married or not. I think that they are just engaged. Um, but um. She she watches him get the hell beat out of him until basically he collapses and dies in front of her uh, at the same time as Doomsday. Uh, and the the movie kind of captures that a little bit, but the, the relationship between the two of them is is so rushed that you don't really care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, it's and that's pr- that's pretty much it. It it just retells the story. Um, the the voice acting in the movie is pretty good. They brought back um, all the regular characters that they have, like Nathan Fillion as Green Lantern, um, uh, Jason O'Mara as Batman, who I don't really care for because he's not Kevin Conroy. Um, yeah, I think Kevin Conroy is definitively like the he's Batman the Batman for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Jason Jason O'Mara does the has been doing the voices for these Justice League movies. I just don't really care for his voice. Um, Jerry O'Connell plays Superman, um, and, and he does a pretty good job. 
and Rebecca Romaine, who is his real life wife, plays Lois Lane, and she does an okay job. Um, Rain Wilson from The Office is Lex Luthor, and Rosario Dawson is Wonder Woman, and I I can't stand her, but that's, really, I don't care for her now. Um, I don't really know who she is. Um, have you watched any of the Marvel Netflix shows like Daredevil or? Uh, I saw a couple episodes of Daredevil. She's on Daredevil. Okay. Um, she's the nurse. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll look her up sometime. Um, but it's it's a nice continuity thing between all the Justice League movies that that they got all the recurring characters to come back, like Nathan Fillion doing Green Lantern for like maybe a minute total. But it's cool that he's there. They didn't just hire somebody else to come in to do uh to do the voice. Um, but that's, I guess that's really all I have to say about, about the movie. Um, there's a, let, let's see if there's any trivia here in the trivia section of IMDB that, that is interesting. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so Superman dies, spoiler alert. Um, and, uh, they, there's a three or four post credit scenes, which tease the, um, the storyline, the death uh, the return of Superman where they have the cyborg eradicator, Superboy, and steel. Um, and the, there's three little post credit scenes where they, uh, where they tease that. So I imagine that those are the next justice league movie. The next justice league movie is going to be the return of Superman, which, uh, which will be interesting to see. see. Now are, are people following these animated movies the way they are with like, non-animated movies i mean i've never really noticed uh direct to video uh, animated thing have like a like a stinger scene or anything like that but it sounds like they're approaching it almost like like marvel hey this is where the story's going in an ongoing way do you know these things to be that popular that people are really following them uh they do okay i think um like there's some people that I work with and, and every time a new one comes out, we talk about it. Um, I guess they have like two or three come out a year. Mm-hmm. Um, some, of, some of them are better than others. Like, but, uh, some of them are terrible. Um, like the, what was the one that came out recently? Like, um, uh, they come out with a Batman one every, every few months, like the Batman and Robin or Batman and son, son of Batman. Batman versus Robin, like those movies, which and were, they've been consecutive. Yeah, they're they're sequels to each other. Okay, see, I don't think I realized that. I thought, I guess, I was in the mindset that any of the any of the ones that these animated movies were coming out, it was just sort of at random. There's they weren't connected. standalone movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there there's a little bit of connected tissue between between all of them, especially the Batman movies. Um, like the son of like the son of Batman series picks up the Damian Wayne storyline, yeah. and and some of those are some of those are better than others, but uh, I think it's Son of Batman where um, uh, where we meet Damian and his mom. Like, what's his mom's name? Um, Talia. Talia. Yeah. Everyone in that movie has an American accent, and it's it's so jarring and such a waste. Like. Talia Al Ghul is not American, right? And neither are the people in the foreign country that she's like the leader of or whatever. Mm-hmm. But everyone has an American accent, and you're just like, no one should have an American accent here except for Batman, right? Yeah, that's more should be more of like an Eastern European kind. Of yeah, thing. it's little things like that in these movies that that kind of take away from it. Um, and the animation is cheap. Um, it's like that kind you can tell like there are frames missing. If, uh, uh, if you know what I mean, like, like when someone's walking, it like looks a little herky jerky yeah, a little bit. It's, it's, it's a little, Lazy. it's, uh, I don't want to say lazy. I want to say cheap, uh, yeah. or inexpensive in an inexpensive way of doing an animated film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's really all I got about, uh, the death of Superman. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh it's it's worth checking out. I will say that it's worth checking out. It's it's head and tails above the Superman Doomsday movie that came out years ago cuz that was terrible. Um and it's definitely better than Superman Batman versus Superman 
which which also features the monster Daredevil, D- um, Doomsday, <laughs> <laughs> the monster Doomsday. Um. So yeah, check check it out if if you're interested in it. Uh, I'll check that out at some point. Um, I'll see how they're doing with those. Now that I know that they're connected, that actually does get me a little more interested too, because you know they are kind of hit or miss. Um, that's true. And and when it seems like they're all random, then it's like, well, the the ones that hit don't really do much to you know to make the other ones more tolerable. But if they're connected, maybe maybe there's more to that. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to, I guess, today's blue chip movie. Um, I saw Ant Man and the Wasp uh, the other day, and uh, it was good. It was good. Um, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't. Uh, I would give it a solid B, as far as a, uh, as far as as far as movies go. Um, I'd say it's on par with the first Ant Man, which I enjoyed. I think I like the first Ant Man a little bit more than this than this one. Um, but this one was was fine. Um, it's definitely a, a a fun movie to watch, especially after the the trauma that was uh, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nice little palate cleanser. It takes place before the events in infinity war. Uh, so it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a prequel to it. It just takes place before infinity war happens. Um, I would imagine it would have to, if it weren't going to be about yeah, those events. Yeah. Um, but, um, so the the movie takes place uh, before Infinity War, but after Captain America's Civil War, because um, uh, Scott Lang, who's played by Paul Rudd, is under house arrest for like three years. Um, l- let me let me say this: this movie is um, ticking clock. The the movie there are like three or four different ticking <laughs> clocks in the movie going at all times. Um, for instance, Paul Rudd is under house arrest because, um, because he violated the Sokovia Accords to help Captain America fight Iron Man in Germany. Um, and he's got three days left before he's no longer under house arrest anymore. Um, and then, and then the next ticking clock is, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp have to figure out a way to save the Wasp's mom. Uh, who's stuck in the quantum realm and they've got like 20 minutes to solve that. And then there's like another clock too. So it's, it's really ticking clock the movie. Um, but uh, the, the one real complaint I have about the movie is that a lot of the comedy fell flat for me. Yeah. Um, it, it's not like they were bad jokes or anything. It's just kind of like, uh, like a, a joke would land and you go, Hmm. Okay. Uh, and that's that's something that the first Ant Man really had going for it was like that the comedy in it was was solid like it it landed really well. Uh, whereas in this one it, it was a little soft, uh, which is which was disappointing. Um, once again in this movie the movie lives on Paul Rudd's charm. Uh, if you like Paul Rudd you'll probably like this movie. If you don't like Paul Rudd you probably won't care for it. Same with the first Ant Man. But you haven't seen the first Ant Man, have you? No. No, but I'm pretty lukewarm with uh Paul Rudd. I don't I don't actually have anything against him other than that everyone seems to love him so much and I can't figure out why. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, all he's right. Just I mean, so he's charming. I guess I, I if he if he were to be hanging out with Oh god. Oh wait. Him, uh, you you're breaking like up the, a little bit there. Hello? Testing. Matt? Testing. Testing. Am I coming through? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. You, Am you, I clear? Yeah, I think so. Um, you, 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 hello? Or can you hear me clearly? Yeah, you sound great. Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. You started breaking up uh, when you said... Uh, um, Paul Rudd were if he, hanging out with me. Yeah. Oh, if he were hanging out with you. If he were around... I, I would imagine I'd get along with him just fine. But as far as like being someone I want to see and things and finding him hilarious, it just doesn't, it doesn't do that. Okay. I, I, and not seeing a whole lot 
in the preview that it offers, I definitely don't feel like compelled to go because of the charm of Paul Rudd. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, and like I said, the movie lives or dies on, on Paul Rudd's charm. Um, Evangeline Lilly plays the wasp who is, uh, Paul Rudd's basically, she's the female lead of the movie. I don't care for her in the, in this movie. I didn't care for her in the first one. And I, I still don't care for her in this one. Uh, I, I just don't really know why she doesn't work for I'm not me. Familiar with her. What's she's. She doesn't bring much charisma to it, or um, she. I don't know. I I feel like she thinks she's in a different movie than than uh than this. I don't know. There's just something about her that I just don't get. I she was in Lost. She was Kate from Lost, and she's great in Lost. Like I think she's phenomenal. But in this movie, uh, I I just don't care for her. I think she looks weird too. Something something's off about the way she looks. Um Michelle Pfeiffer is also in the movie, which was nice to see. Michelle Pfeiffer is always a treat. Um Michael Douglas is good. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Uh it's got an A plus cast, but it just uh it just kind of fell a little flat for me. Um I'm looking forward to seeing it again because I think when I watch it again I'll be able to enjoy it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, the pressure will be off the movie to impress me, kind of a thing. Um, so so when I see it again, I'll probably have a a, a more generous uh, opinion of it. But um, yeah, with without getting into too many spoilers for the movie, um, this movie is about uh, so Ant Man is under house arrest. He has to get he has to help Michael Douglas and the Wasp. Um, save the wasp mom from the quantum realm while at the same time avoiding this gangster guy and the FBI because they're trying to get him for violating his house arrest thing. And, um, and then there's this character called the ghost who uh, is like stuck. She's stuck between worlds kind of thing. She like phases in and out between our world and the quantum world. And uh, she's trying to get to the wasp's mom first because that's the secret to her survival. So there's like a, a lot going on and uh, it's all kind of held together by little little jokes here and there. Um, I think my favorite character in the movie was Michael Pena, who plays uh, Luis. Uh, he's the best part of the first Ant-Man besides Paul Rudd. Um, the... Uh, a little bit of backstory. The first Ant-Man was supposed to be directed by uh, Edgar Wright, who directed uh, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead uh, and Baby Driver. And uh, there was a big falling out between him and Marvel because he wanted to make his his kind of movie and Marvel wanted a Marvel movie. So the script for the first Ant-Man is, is really heavily influenced by Edgar Wright and you can feel it. And I think that's what's really missing from the sequel is the, the Edgar Wright touch um they try to imitate some of the stuff from the first one in this movie and it just doesn't hit as well as as it did in the first one and you can tell the stuff that comes from edgar wright (sighs) that was a lot of words oh god are you there matt are you can you hear me yeah i can hear you okay because every now and again You'll disappear for like five seconds. Oh God! Um, well, let me repeat so. everything I just said. <laughs> no. Um. Oh God, we lost Matt. You know what, listeners? I'm just gonna hang up and call him back. Hello. Hello. Hey, it finally worked. Well, this is just a regular phone call instead of the FaceTime audio, so the audio quality has dropped a little bit. It's, it's exciting. It's like a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, you just have to, to crank the phone up and uh, ask someone to uh, connect a cord between whatever they plug those into. Right. Anyway. Um, so that was a thrilling um, attempt to get back in touch with you. But uh, what, what was the last thing that you heard as far as the Ant-Man went? Um, you talked about Michael Douglas's character doing something. I think it might have cut out when you were trying to explain that. I did get that uh, 
you you really weren't into the female lead. Yeah, Evangeline. For you. Evangeline Lily, Kate from Lost. She'll always be Kate from Lost to me. But uh, yeah, she just does not. I just don't care for her in this role. I think it's her hair. In the first movie, it was definitely her hair. In this movie, she's got longer hair, and it still doesn't work. Um, <laughs> the, the real heart and soul of the movie is the beat. Young woman's hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um the bad guy the bad guy in the movie is is kind of ambiguous like there's like three different villains in the movie like there's the ticking clock to get back to to save the wasp's mom the original wasp uh who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer um there's the ticking clock of trying to avoid the gangster guys and the the ticking clock of uh of Paul Rudd trying to get out of house arrest and all three plots are kind of weak like they well, hang on for a second. How yeah. is that last plot even a thing? Like, how is it a race to to get out from house arrest? I mean, the threat there is in three days you're free. Well, the FBI keeps trying to catch, keeps trying to capture him, uh, breaking his house arrest. Um, so he has to keep going home and be there when when they arrest him. He's got like three days left before he goes on probation. So, so he wants the clock to tick faster. Right, yeah. Gotcha. And then all of this stuff with with uh where he has to become Ant-Man again happens within these 3 days. So it's uh it's it's inherent conflict. <laughs> I guess. So but but it sounds like you're saying they none of them were particularly driving for the right. movie. Yeah, I, I mean again, it's a movie that that lives and dies on Paul Rudd's charm and some moments do, do really well and some moments it really struggles. Um I would recommend watching the first Ant-Man to you. You, mm-hmm. you you'd probably enjoy it. It's it's a fun it's a fun heist movie. Like it's about uh, a robbery. And okay. um and uh it gets bogged down in the Marvel formula of we have to have a villain to fight. Um, I, I, the first one would have been great if it was just a bank robbery or the, the robbery that, um, happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this one, it doesn't have that heist feel to it where we're like, we've, we've got like three things going on. We're trying to save we're like, you know, we're, we're it's like an ocean's 11 Marvel movie kind of a thing. Okay. <clears throat> um, and that's, I think where this one, uh, misses the boat or misses the point as well. But, um, it's definitely worth watching. Um, it's it's a nice palate cleanser after the the Infinity War movie. Um, so yeah. Well, I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that it's lacking in any sort of like, you know, plot that has momentum because from the previews, uh, you know, you said it lives or dies by his charm, and in, in the previews that I saw for it. Uh, he barely really even had any lines and it seemed to just live or die by whether or not you enjoy watching salt shakers become really big. Right. Like there, it was, it was just a collage or a montage of, of things shrinking and growing, which yeah. I, I make, makes some sense. You know I mean? That's kind of the, the gimmick of the, the whole premise, but yeah. Um, but it, one of the reasons I just, wasn't finding myself interested in even going to see it was like that it didn't seem to be about anything. Yeah. That's uh that's not far off. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like a, you know, when you just see a bunch of explosions and you're like, wow, a lot explodes in that movie have no idea what it's really about. Yeah. And except this was instead of explosions, just things shrinking or yeah. I will say that okay. the, the shrinking and growing, like the special effects in the movie are phenomenal. Um, okay. The the action sequences are really well done, and the 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 shrinking and growing is is it's it's a lot of fun to watch happen. Um, oh, good. It's um, it's definitely a a good Marvel movie. Um, it's just not great, which um, which is okay. Um, is it, it's how, the, how is it in terms of uh? Would you put it above or below Thor Ragnarok for fun? Oh, below. Okay. Thor Ragnarok is the most fun Marvel movie. Hmm. Yeah, that might be true. It definitely is a fun movie. Yeah. Um, it's better, oh, better I, I, every time you watch it, too. I've seen it a few times now. 
And now that we're talking about uh, Marvel movies, I, I don't think I got to. I, I've been meaning to tell you this, and I don't think I got to before. Uh, I, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 again. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed it more the second time around. Yeah, okay. It uh, it didn't seem, you know, like, like things that throughout the first one kind of seemed disconnected. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, now that I know where it's going, I mean, not that it's like a plot twist kind of movie or anything, but it, things seem to be either a little more connected than I than they felt like they were the first time around, or um, or I just didn't care too much. I didn't mind or need it to be about anything bigger. Like for instance, like the gold people. Yeah. The second time around, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to care about these people. They're not going to be intimidating. They don't matter. And I think the first time around, I was like, well, why is this important? And it didn't need to be right. Like, okay, they're, they're not interesting people who cares. Yeah. You know, I, um, I completely agree with that. Uh, I felt the same way when I watched it a second time, I enjoyed it a, a little bit more yeah. the second time than I, than I did the first time. And well, it, it, would you say it's kind of a similar thing as to why you would um, expect yourself to enjoy this movie again the second time? Like, cause you're not like hoping for more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's exactly right. I think when I when I watch this movie again, and I and I would like to see it again, uh, I'll enjoy it more because I won't be uh, waiting for the jokes, kind of a thing, expecting callbacks, things like that, um, looking for Easter eggs, like all, all that stuff. Like I'd be able, like when I watch it a second time, I'll just be able to sit back and enjoy it rather than trying to anticipate things from the movie. Yep. All right, then. <laughs> Look forward to the future episode where Nick reviews Ant-Man and the Wasp again. It'll be great. And gives it a slightly higher review. A B plus. Um, so I guess that's going to wrap things up for our show this week. Um, unless you wanted to play a quick game of Batman versus movie, Dawn of Movie. Uh, or are we running out of time? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think of a of a movie to throw out there. Hunt for Red October. Oh boy, Hunt for Red October. Oh, and Jill, Jill, my wife says we need to change the name of our game. She hates the name of our game. Uh, let's call it Sasquatch versus Snake Man. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hunt for Red October versus um The Rock. The Rock. Oh man, ah, uh, that's impossible. <laughs> uh, I right. bro broke the game. So, listeners, if you don't know what the game is, uh, we're playing uh, Batman versus movie Dawn of movie, where we take two seemingly different movies uh, and compare and contrast them and decide which movie is better. Um, and this week we're doing. The Rock versus The Hunt for Red October. Oh, both both are Sean Connery movies. There's the connection. Oh, okay. Um, the Rock has Nicolas Cage and Prime Nicolas Nicolas Cage in his prime, which is that's true. Which is good. It's before he started cranking out awful movies. Yeah, it's before he he became beholden to his debt. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Hunt for Red October is an excellent movie. Yeah, in terms of tone, you've got one. You've got two movies that are more or less action movies, although tone-wise, um, there's a little less action and a little bit more drama flavor to uh, Hunt for Red October, and a little bit more like fun cheese action, more more blow 'em up kind of action in The Rock. Yeah, The it's Rock. Not, it's it's not a ton of explosions or anything like that, but it's it's more in that vein than Hunt for Red October. The um the Rock has like action movie, um, action, whereas the the action that takes place in Hunt for Red October is like real world kind of stuff. Like the stakes. Yeah. My wife, I've watched. I've tried to get my wife to watch the Hunt for Red October about ten times now. And she, and like I'll put it on, and I'm like, "Isn't this the most thrilling, exciting movie you've ever seen?" And she's like, "No, this is so boring." And I'm like, it's "Not boring." I'm like, "How could you think this is boring? There's so much at stake. The like the the 
the fate of the world is at stake here. There's nuclear weapons involved, submarines, international diplomacy. Yeah, the weight of it is in the implications. Yeah. The the excitement of it is in the what the consequences would be. Right. Like if if things go wrong, if Jack Ryan doesn't doesn't succeed, like World War 3 could start. Yeah. And and in the rock, the consequences of of what could go wrong is uh the green gas could could kill a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The stakes are lower, and, and what is happening is happening right before your eyes. You're, yeah, something explodes; it's exploding in front of you. Right. Yes. Yeah, so um, which, which again, doesn't happen a lot in the movie, but when it does, it is pretty straightforward Michael Bay sort of action stuff. Yeah, and this is good Michael Bay too. Like The Rock is a great movie. It is. It's lots of fun. Um. So okay. So The Rock's got going for it. Sean Connery. Doing a great job. Nicolas Cage doing his thing. Yeah. Where it really did work well. Yeah. Uh, although there's there's just, even then, there's no excuse for him being with the woman he's with. <laughs> <laughs> just whatever. She was the prom <clears throat> queen. Right. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, I guess it's all, it's all, it's all really in the fun. That's, that's, that's the rock. There's not, the jokes aren't particularly great. Um, the humor is more in the interplay between Sean Connery as like a cranky straight man, but smart and witty kind of guy. Um, and, you know, interacting with Nicolas Cage, who's kind of kind of got an attitude too, uh-huh. and he's, He's also the straight man. How's that work? <laughs> like he's he's like very buttoned up and by the rules and stuff. Right. Um, but in a in a rock star kind of way where he's got attitude about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where that's where the the fun actually is. It's just, it's just kind of their chemistry, maybe like a lethal weapon kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's true. Um. Let's see. What else could I say about it? Um, I think that the uh, the Hunt for October has the Alec Baldwin Jack Ryan, and Alec Baldwin has never been better than than oh, in that yeah. movie. Um, it's like it's young. It's young Alec Baldwin too, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he does a great job. Like I really like Harrison Ford's Jack Ryan. I think I think that's my favorite. But the Alec Baldwin Jack Ryan is just terrific well and and what you know there's also really good interplay between him and sean connery and it's it's such a different thing because throughout the movie they're sort of interacting without even speaking to one another um but they're they're interacting via ideas so much of the hunt for red october is ideas yeah and ways things are interpreted and and how they're playing out in the people's the characters' minds, but as a as a viewer, you're having to play it out in your own head because a you're there with them and b they're not interacting directly on the screen, so you're having to 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 kind of fill in the gaps yourself. Yeah. Um, so there's there's there is great interaction with them when they're facing each other too. They have good chemistry. As does the whole rest of the cast. I mean, it's not the sort of movie you would think of as an ensemble movie. Right. But at the same time, you've got uh, a handful of people who have different specialties on the submarines that they're on um, and different kind of views on things, Uh different ways they're approaching stuff from like a, you know, let's take action kind of way, more cautious people. Um, Everyone's kind of chipping something in. You've got like two guys who work together uh, and are trying to figure out what sounds mean, right? And yeah. they're kind of bringing things back and and giving the the main characters as well as the audience kind of clues as to what's going on. And even as even in the position you're in in the audience is you know what's going on, but as you're watching these clues pop out, it's still very intriguing. You're like, right, ah, yeah. 
that's what that sound is. Yeah. I already knew what it was, but that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and even as a viewer, knowing what we know, what Sean Connery wants and we know what Jack Ryan wants. And, but, but we, but we also know that the characters don't know what the other character wants. So, so we know that spoiler alert for hunt for October, that Sean Connery is trying to defect to the United States and but we don't but Jack Ryan doesn't know that he just suspects that that's the case and so he's he's going off all his book knowledge about about Sean Connery and and there's so much at stake that that it's difficult to uh that that's where the conflict lies is is do we trust this this data analysis guy or not because if we if he's wrong we're all going to get blown out of the water yeah and as a viewer you can even you can really get into that too where you're like Oh man! Yeah. Uh, what what would it what what could happen if he was wrong? And you even know he's not. Right. You're like, I know he's not wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, but this, you still feel the weight of that, and this, you can you can feel the anxiety of the people trying to make the decision. The sequence at the end where the three subs are just circling each other is like mm-hmm. the most thrilling drama I, I can think of. Like whenever I think of like what's like thriller, like a thriller thrilling drama that's what i think of is those three subs chasing each other with the battleship up up on uh on the surface and they're all just trying to figure out what's going on and who who's got who and uh it's just great it's just really yeah. good the and stakes, it's happening kind of in slow motion but you're biting your nails on the edge of your seat yeah. with tension the stakes are crystal clear and and they're sky high and then the rock is uh is a fun action movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know where my vote's going on this. Yeah, I, I, we could probably wrap it up right now. Uh, I'm going to vote The Hunt for Red October. Me too. Is better than The Rock. But The Rock is still awesome. Like I, I kind of want to watch it right now. Well, and see, I kind of want to sit down and watch Hunt for Red October right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, me too. Uh, and, and I think there's something to that because, you know, there have been a handful of times where we've played, you know, this movie versus movie kind of thing and said movie a is better than movie b but movie b is more fun and i want to watch it more right yeah. in this case i'm like uh, the hunt for october is done perfectly uh-huh. and i always want to watch it who directed that i don't know but they need to make more movies let me look it up real quick i'll bet they did and i'll bet none of them are as good hunt for red october is directed by john mctiernan he's a terrific director uh, okay. He what directed, else did he done? He did Die Hard, Predator. Uh, a bunch oh wow! Of, um, Those are pretty. Die Hard with a Vengeance, kind of Last flavors. Action Hero, Nomads. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. Huh? Yeah, no, I've never heard of Nomads either. But from 1986. That's, a, that's an interesting kind of assortment of of action flavors. Yeah, John McTiernan is a great action director, and then he kind of just kind of trailed off after Die Hard with a Vengeance. He did the Thirteenth Warrior, the Thomas Crown Affair, which is a good movie. Rollerball, I and then basically. I didn't really enjoy the Thomas Crown Affair that much. Oh, I thought no, the Thirteenth Warrior was decent. I've never seen it. My dad um, likes that movie a lot. Yeah, it's based on the Michael Crichton book Eaters of the Dead. Oh, really? Um, which is supposed to be connected somehow to Beowulf, but I don't remember exactly what the connection is there. Um. But it's it's worth watching. I I wouldn't say it's an amazing movie. It's not incredible or anything, but it is it, it is good. That's Antonio it, Banderas, definitely worth right? Watch. Yeah, or Antonio. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Antino. I don't think. think so. Oh well, all right then. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up for us this week. Um. Uh, Matt, you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything you want Did you to listen to that album yet? No, I still have not listened to the new Perfect Circle yeah. album. I'll then I will plug that. the new Perfect Circle album. Um, I'd like <laughs> as to, promised. Right. Um, I do have something to plug. Um, I don't know if if listeners remember Matt V from the show. Uh, he started his own podcast. Uh, it's a show called Movies in the AM. The AM stands for Avril and Matt. Uh, and uh, it's a new show. Uh, you could probably find it on iTunes. Uh, Movies in the AM. Uh, cool. Matt, Matt V's uh, movie podcast and he says we can come on it whenever we want so that'll be fun well good luck to Matt is Vitri right yeah that's right good luck Matt Vitri 
Um, but that's all I got. Check out your podcast. Um, if uh, so, I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Oh, you know what? You Sam Sam ne- <laughs> Sam Neil is also in uh, Hunt for Red October. And he stars in Jurassic Park 3, which is what we did our audio commentary for that has yet to be released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm glad we actually, came back for that. He was, uh, he was in his prime in, uh, in the uh, Hunt for Red October as well. Yeah, he's great in that. That's, it, that, that whole cast is really great. The, yeah. uh, the guy who is the American um, submarine captain? Yeah. Is that what you are? Are you a captain of a sub? Skipper. Um, <laughs> the guy that was in, he was in backdraft and stuff. Scott he, Glenn. Uh, yeah. And he was also in uh, silence of the lambs as a uh, sort oh, of a mentor. He's like the, the, the ranking uh, FBI guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's great in it too. And, and everyone that's there is just like perfectly cast. So yeah, we'll just, uh, We'll keep promoting the Humphrey October <laughs> until the very end of this podcast. All right. So if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. The Humphrey October. <laughs> Bye. Bye.